Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You've reached episode number 275, entitled Creating a Brand. It was published on Thursday the 21st of April 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I'll be joined in just a few short moments by my good friend David Wormsley so that we can chat about this particular subject. It's one of our WordPress Business Bootcamp series. We're going through six series in total and this is series two, episode number four. But more about that in a few moments because, first of all, a few bits of housekeeping. If you like what we're doing at WP Builds, head over to our website, wpbuilds.com. There's a menu at the top, and I'm going to encourage you to look at the subscribe link. If you go there, you'll be able to find all the places that we produce content. So, for example, our YouTube channel, it's got our Twitter feed and so on. By the way, that's at WP Builds if you fancy following us. But it's also got some newsletters that you can sign up to if you'd like to receive updates when we produce content. That content comes out twice a week. It's the This Week in WordPress show, which we do live every Monday, 2 p.m. UK time. Come along, join in with some comments. And also the podcast episode comes out on a Thursday. You're listening to that right now. Another couple of things to mention is our deals page. I talk about this each and every week, and I say that it's a bit like Black Friday, but every single day of the week, loads of coupon codes for WordPress-specific products. There's things like themes, plugins, blocks, hosting, all of that kind of stuff wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. You can use the search to filter down to what it is that you'd like. And also there's been a few comments on Twitter and various places this week about our Mastodon install. It's a little bit like Twitter. It's called WP Builds Social. WPBuilds.social is the URL. Go there and join up. There's only about 70 of us. It's fairly quiet, but you never know. If I keep plugging it, we might get some more traction over there. Like I say, it's a bit like Twitter. It's a federated piece of open source software called Mastodon. And feel free to come in and join in the conversation over there. Tell us all of your WordPress stories. Okay, that's all I've got in terms of housekeeping. So we're on to today's episode. Today's episode is number four in series two, and it's called Creating a Brand. And on the podcast today, we chunk this into various different sections. The problem really is that we are the first on the scene for our new client, Miss A, who is a lawyer, and we've got to figure out what it is that we need to do in terms of branding. So it's chunked up into various different sections like researching the target audience, picking a, a focus and a personality, choosing a business name, writing a slogan, choosing the look and feel of the brand that might be fonts and so on. What about a logo? Do we need that? And then trying to apply all of that across the brand and the business. It's a big subject. Don't forget that there are some accompanying show notes over at wpbuilds.com. And if you search for this episode, which is episode number 275, you'll be able to find them. All the links and everything are contained over there. A strange thing occurred during the recording of this episode, something that I can't track down and I can't figure out why it happened. But on my audio, there was some sort of clicking noise. I really have no idea how it crept in. It's completely listenable. 
it's almost as if I was tapping on the desk or fiddling with a pen or something like that. Like I say, it's totally listenable and I hope it won't spoil your enjoyment. Welcome to another in the Business Bootcamp series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress sites and running a web design business from start to finish. We're on season two where we're looking at the design process and today we are discussing how to create a brand. So Nathan and I are taking contrasting approaches, getting our new business running and our first client site built. She's a new lawyer with no previous site. She's called Miss A. Nathan, shall we just recap? Yeah, if you've not been paying attention to this series, then probably it might be good to go right back to the beginning, series one, episode one. But essentially, David mm. and I are in contrasting camps. I'm going with the traditional, what might be described as waterfall business model in which I do everything in a traditional fixed way. So that is I knock up a proposal after talking to the client and then issue a contract and basically get everything set up in advance yeah. and then once they've signed the contract i disappear for a bit do the work come back and hopefully complete it by the deadline and get mm -hmm. paid mm. and i'm going agile where there's a fixed fee for sprints of work and our proposal there's nothing formal we're really planning to get out a minimal viable website and over time, iteratively improve it. So take in the kind of data that we might get feedback and improve it. So there's no end deadline to this. So it's a much kind of looser build. Yeah. And today we are talking, well, you can introduce it. <laughs> yeah. Creating a brand, which is something which we are not really qualified to talk about. But as we've decided that our lawyer had no branding, we really are going to be the first folks who maybe defining what this business is going to have to live with for some time. So. Yeah, the, the problem with this is it really is an industry all its own, isn't it? You know, creating logos and all of the yeah. different bits that were going around. But as, as always, David's throwing together some pretty comprehensive show notes. And so yeah. we're going to block this up into, I think it was seven, wasn't it? Yeah, seven distinct topics. And I'll just list them out at the beginning, if that's all right. Can I do mm. that, David? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Please. So, and then we'll take them one at a time. So the first one is uh, researching the target audience and the competitors. That's point one. Number two, pick, picking your focus and personality. Point three, choosing a name for your business. Uh, number four, writing out a slogan. Number five, choose the look of, of your brand. So that could be colors or fonts. Number six, design your brand logo. And number seven, apply your branding across your business. And uh, Whilst David's put together these show notes, you have you have been out scouring the internet for for thoughts and come up with Shopify by the looks of it for this. Yeah, that's it. It's, that's how they say to build a brand. And there's quite a good article by them actually on that. So we're using that as our basis, aren't we? So our research, there's a lot of overlap with the stuff that we're talking about. So our next episode, we'll be talking about UX where in a way we'll be coming at some of the same stuff. And previously we talked about the first point about the target audience and competitors with keyword research and looking at what other websites do. So there's a lot of overlap, but that's where people who do branding would start as well, wouldn't they, with the research trying to find out, you know. Um, but we should define, shouldn't we, actually, before we move any further, what 
branding is. And I found a quote for that okay, from the like American this. Marketing Association. So a brand is a name, term, design, symbol, or any other feature that identifies one seller's goods or services as distinct from those of other sellers. Yeah. So with branding, we are trying to distinguish ourselves from our competitors. Yeah. So that's probably something to keep in mind while we're talking about this. Okay. Okay. Research. So <laughs> researching the target audience and competitors. I I think all of us lot are probably really able to do certain types of research really straightforwardly, like you know keyword research and all of that is really yeah. straightforward. And competitor analysis for me usually involved me just browsing the web, usually inspired yeah, yeah. by Google putting in searches for something similar. So in our case, if it was Madame A as the lawyer, I'd be typing in lawyers, and in my case in Yorkshire, perhaps something like that, and taking it from there. But the the target audience, I've never really got a handle on that. I always kind of assumed that my, my gut instinct was what needed to be done, or that the business owner themselves knew what that target audience did. So yeah. I'm I'm coming up dry on this one. I'm not really very able to give any insights here. No, and I don't I don't think a Shopify article comes up with anything more than that. You know, Google search and asking questions of the you know the business itself. And if you're doing the branding, you're going to need to know from the the client, aren't you, who they're aiming at before we can really get further. And I think that's all. It's starting from that point. There is another point, and when we go on to UX later, which would be you know that target audience you might come at it from a different angle and that might be included in this way you're really trying to find out things that users think uh, about this company as well you know uh, they might give you some insights to um this and how they're different from competitors as well so yeah. but yeah i don't think there, there isn't a format is there but you was have you had the situation where you've had to do what your class as the branding for uh, business before yes i have had to do that and it but in my case it's always been very straightforward that is to say their requirements were not very complicated yeah. and i usually handed it off to one of two or three different graphic designers because i felt that their their insights would be better in some yeah. cases there would be a conversation between the graphic designer and the client but in many cases i was the conduit of that information so i would be the sort of go between my yeah. graphic designer would ask me a series of things they wished to know and then I would relay those questions and then respond. But it always worked better when the client chatted directly to the graphic designer because I, you know, I felt that there were probably things in that conversation that would be more useful. So yes, I have, but in my <laughs> cases, not very frequently did I saddle myself with the job. And when I did, it was because I knew that the budget was very modest and also yeah. I knew that their expectations were not, you know, focus groups of people. It was just, can you just give us a logo? Whatever, whatever works, yeah. we'll go with that. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, uh, not so much. Well, a lot of the earlier work was done with my colleague who would have done the branding side of it anyway. So, uh, and, but recently I've had to do effectively that. I've had to start with the logo because they needed this for their their premises first so and i've realized that how little i know about this because it's probably yep. an oversight on my part because i did the logos we picked the colors and everything and one of the last things before the site went live that i got from them was their proper address so i could google it and look at the type of neighborhood and it made me realize that 
what I've been used to is thinking totally online and what's going to work there in terms of branding, where <clears throat> suddenly I realized that this signage is going to go up on a, on a street level and that you know, if so in the example where we were discussing last time about a lawyer, whether we would go with a wacky kind of idea for them to distinguish it from the other more staid and kind of expected lawyer thing you would need to think about that if you suddenly realize that the lawyer's got an, an office that's going to be on a really upmarket high street or something you know this kind of branding that might have to go on their signs might change their office decor their vehicles yeah <laughs> everything you know could have a real impact so it's made me really appreciative and certainly i think it was an oversight on my part to start helping somebody with a logo and picking colors for that without really understanding the offline context for it yeah and there will be for a lawyer an enormous offline context so probably not on the back of vehicles and things like that but certainly you know the the usual arrangement of leaflets and letterheads and Recently, yeah. actually, funnily enough, I was looking, I was parked in a in a car park. I was dropping my daughter off or something, and I noticed that there was a local lawyer's, and they had a huge brass plaque outside their offices. It was about, I don't know, four feet wide, and it had their logo on it, and it was fairly modest, that is to say simple, so they could etch it into the copper. But if you did go for something really complicated, that would have been really difficult to pull off. Yeah. Presumably... You know, lawyers maybe are one of the few businesses that would actually go for the the copper logo outside their office. <laughs> yeah, but nevertheless, yeah. all of that needs to be thought of. So putting it as number one in the list here feels really important. But it's it's got to be borne in mind. You know, what what orientation is it? Is it going to be letterbox? Are you going for square or wide? Or where are they going to be posting things on social media? And all of these yeah. things come into come into effect. And like you say even though the website can modify that logo on a whim, once the yeah. business cards are done and the leaflets are created and the paper is being letterheaded, that you're fixed there for probably years and years to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think, you know, because I'm always seeing things from the online perspective, what's going to get traffic, what's going to get conversions, and, and thinking about that and setting them against their competitors which of course is what you're supposed to do with branding distinguish yourself but yeah suddenly i mean you would realize you'd need to have a good conversation about the plans really where you where that client thinks they're going to get the majority of their leads so would you might you know if you decided that it needed to be a bit more wacky online might you go that direction because you're going to get most of your leads online or, or is it going to be the offline so i think I think that research, those kind of early questions are really important. I've neglected it for sure. The The interesting thing is I've done quite a few lawyers' websites and in no cases did I need to address the problem of the the logo at yeah. all. It was simply done already and the expectation was that I would use that and because they'd, already, you know, they'd got a history of publishing these leaflets yeah. and so on. But um, yeah, in terms of target audience, I think for me, it really would be a Google search. Nothing, yeah. nothing much more complicated than that. And obviously, one would hope that Madame A, in this case, has some insight into who they are. And I think her business is pretty straightforward, really, as we're going to explore in this episode. Mm. We feel like we've landed on our feet here because <laughs> the constraints are pretty tight around lawyering, I think. So there's, there's, you know, we're not going to be doing anything wacky. So no, uh, I think if you get if you get a lawyer client, this part of the puzzle is pretty easy to put into the jigsaw. 
Yeah, I think so. Shall we move on to point two, which is mm. pick your focus and personality? So, yeah, there's, as the article we're referencing mentions, there are quite a, a lot of uh, tools out there so you can try and get and find that personality types of questions that you can kind of ask. Um, have you done any of this kind of stuff? Okay, before? yeah. And uh, yes, basically. And it was always... I felt awkward and it was like a waste of time that that you know forgive me it really did feel like I was clutching at straws here so typically what I would do in my onboarding yeah form which was trying to get some sort of information once they decided it that that I was for them you know they wanted me to do their website I would I can't remember the wording on the question but it was something on the lines of how do you want your brand to feel um, and, and I think there were like four or five choices, you know, calm and calm and comfortable, something like, you know, wacky and new, um, reliable and trustworthy, those kind of choices. But the thing is, I, it didn't really get me anywhere. All I knew is that they were that they'd associate themselves with a few words, but that didn't really then tell me an awful lot. That is to say, I probably could have figured it out but in the conversation that I was having with them. So, yes, I've tried to do that. But I didn't yeah. go into the whole personifying it. I didn't try to link it to an actual human being, you know, this yeah. user persona. I didn't really get into that level. But I understand people do and it seems to bear fruit. What about you? Yeah, well, I, try, I tried it. I mean, I mentioned before that I love this question that was, you know, if your brand was a famous personality, who would they be as a way of trying to get to it? And then you could, from that, say, okay, well, I see that person as... I don't know, Tom Hanks is dependable, you know, he's kind of straight-laced, Is these things, is that you? Um, you know, but there is a, on the Shopify article, there is something, is, is your, if your brand was a person, choose three to five words that would describe him or her, and it lists these three columns, which must be a, a total of about 75 words must be there or something, you know, and I just think, like you, I maybe started with these ideas because it sounded kind of clever, but suddenly I felt like I was a primary school teacher asking somebody to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd rather have the conversation and have it in the back of my mind that I need a few of these descriptive words and then I would probably present it to them for my chat. This is what I think you would, these words would probably signify your brand. Is that kind of right? You know, yeah. that seemed an easier way to do it. Yeah. So I try and bring it in now um, as much as I can, but in a less corny way, I guess. Yeah, so the other thing to say here is I, I kind of grew to believe that this question was a bit bit superfluous because yeah. it wasn't something I could learn, that I couldn't learn elsewhere. But also, I felt like yeah. the, the question's just wrong in that which which of your clients are really armed to answer that thoughtfully? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. th there's, I, I imagine there's probably different questions that I could have asked. So, for example, I think there might be a better a better question and that would be look here's 20 different websites that i've collated pick your favorite three and then we'll have a discussion about what you like about them and whether it would fit around your branding something like that i think would deliver me more results than you know which famous actor do you want your website to be like because yes. honestly if you ask me that question in fact david what tell me tell me go on which famous <laughs> actor would you like your business to be like <laughs> oh gosh, yes, exactly right it. exactly yeah. it makes you yeah. feel like queasy and weird it's like that's what <laughs> i'm just gonna say i don't know clint eastwood <laughs> <laughs> 
But there we go. So I think the question probably needs reframing to make me feel happier about it. But also I, like I suspect that lawyer. for our lawyer, it's going <laughs> to yeah, be a I bit like, that's... what is a weird question? Why do you want to know that? Yeah. <laughs> there is actually probably more valuable in this section from the Amazon thing is what's your position statement, which is they right. give us kind of format for that. You know, we offer, you know, blank product service for blank target audience to blank value proposition and to fill those kind of things in. I think they're probably quite important to, uh, even if you don't ask them to fill that in, to get that and format it that way. Because I noticed that as well when it came to something which we'll cover later with a recent client is that I asked them a similar question that gave me which approach that they might take to a certain business because there were kind of two ways at it. One, you could look at it as a kind of medical, you help people, or you could look at it as a service that is offered to improve people's lives. And they were kind of opposite things. And they seemed to switch on me when we were talking about other branding things. So having this, I think having this kind of positioning statement is really handy. Yeah. And also I can get that. Maybe that's just our, the the way that we're, that you and I have been brought up or something, but that the whole decide what person your, your personality of your website is, is much more difficult for me to get into than the, the, the way that you just described it in terms of Amazon, you know, yeah. What, what? Can you repeat that sentence? What was it again? No, I can't. Oh, okay. I can't remember at all. <laughs> Rewind the podcast about a minute and a half. That <laughs> that sentence. Um, it just felt better. It felt more natural for me because all all I was doing was filling in the blanks. And as a business owner, I can probably identify what those blanks were pretty quickly. And I'd yeah. probably come up with three or four words that had fit and probably have to settle on the best one. So that just works better for me. I think I think a lot of these kind of um, there are a lot of these exercises to try and get this kind of personality or focus and stuff. And I, I do think that perhaps they've just been created by as kind of <laughs> branding people. As, yes, yes. As, as fun time out for the clients that we've got. You know, yeah. Do you want to play this game with us? Or That's right. That's right. Yeah, you're paying <laughs> us so much money. Let's play some games. Um, anyway, that's our picking focus and personality. UI yeah. people and you know web designers are yeah. probably going to shoot us down uh, for that comment, but that's just the way we feel. So what's, are we on to three now? One to three, choose your business name. Hey, yikes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I feel that with our lawyer client, we've we've hit a home run because that's going to be pretty straightforward, I, I would imagine. What yeah. I mean by that is I did a quick search a couple of days ago just to see where this would land, and all, all the lawyers in my area are branded by their own name. And if not their own name, their surname and then another surname of the partners who probably set the business up. So I don't know, Smith and Johnson, something like that. So it's pretty straightforward. And we're in that kind of industry where people want dependable, want reliable. So it's going to be pretty straightforward to get that name. I would imagine, however... If we're selling, I don't know, a new range of cool T-shirts or trainers, sneakers, it could be completely different. So you might want to go for something wild. And I think of all the things we're talking about today, you wrote in the show notes, number three, this is huge. I think this is the biggest (laughs) one. You get this wrong, you're really going to be in trouble. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, the article we're looking at actually contains a link to a business name generator, which is quite good fun. You know, you stick your keyword. Oh, in nice! There and it and it generates. Like, some of them are really bizarre. They'll just make you laugh. So it's a bit fun. But um, yeah, so I mean, it also talks about other approaches for coming up with names, like making up a word like Pepsi or. Uh, reframing an unrelated word like Apple for computers um, and uh, various other suggestions. There is one other thing, though, that I often think about with the, you know, with online and how successful personal branding can be if you're doing content making, you know, whether that is effective now to be thinking that's your choice. Do you come up with this business name or do you personally brand it? Ooh, yeah, it's 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 difficult, that isn't it? So, are you saying, do you have I understood your question correctly? Are you saying go, you know, do you go for a, a typical ordinary name that's easy to identify what you do, or do you a co yeah. co opt a word out of the out of your vocabulary and adopt that and hope, or even make up a word and hope that over time people will associate you with that thing? So, a good example, perfect one, Apple is now computers. Amazon is now online <laughs> delivery of stuff um, and so on. But, it, but you know, the, the word Amazon is a river. The word Apple is a fruit, but everybody gets <laughs> yeah. it now. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Well, that's another concern. I was just thinking about, you know, whether if you were talking to them on, online and you thought, let's say this is unlikely, but our client, we'll call her Mary Appleton, shall we? We call her Miss A. We'll give her Appleton. Let's say she might just want to go for maryappleton.co.uk or whatever, and the, a law site beyond that, because she'll go around doing a YouTube channel talking about law and all of that, and she'll be known for her name, and they know she's the law person. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's an approach. I think it's unlikely in this case, but in some ways, as you said, with the lawyer, they tend to be the same format. It would be Appleton and Bingley, and, and yeah. although she might not have a Bingley, she might have a dog called that, so well, she can. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess the the strategy of a lawyer over yeah. time is to grow a business and take on other partners, and those partners yes. at some point will have the expectation that their names will be thrown into the mix as well. Yeah. So that might be important, and it feels it feels like such a sure and steady thing to say Appleton Law. Because uh, at yeah. some point in the future, that can be expanded to Appleton and Smith or whatever law. But, yeah. But, you know, if you're if you're reaching out to do something new, like a, a good example is, I guess, sticker mule is quite a good one. You know, it says what it is. They, they do stickers, yes. but also they've thrown the mule in because of the logo. And it's kind of a bit wacky and a bit, a bit funky. And it's also kind of cartoonish, which is exactly what they want. Um, yeah. I think you've got to really think carefully about this. But for the lawyer, I think it's a slam dunk. You just go with your name, right? But I'm also quite keen, you know, for the keyword end, end mm. of it, is that they get a keyword in that might be useful. Particularly, we've got a new site, you know, and there is some advantage to having one of your keywords in your domain name. So, you know, could she be Appleton Lawyers? Or yes. could she be, um, you know, or her area name, Lawyers, even though, her, you know, a business name. So a domain name could be an entirely separate name, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot there. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a link in the show notes about how to build a brand name from that Shopify website. But uh, yeah, really important to get this right. The whole tenor of it can matter. Um, yeah. You know, get it wrong and you just sound foolish. Um, get it right and it sounds cool and funky mind you I suppose some things that are cool and funky this year go out of favour next year but uh, 
Anyway, yeah. there we go. I do like Def- the idea, though, of, of co-opting a word and trying to see if you can make that work. I, I, I think if, if you're yeah, really yeah. going to hit the heights, it is kind of cool to just use a word that everybody else already is using and just make it your own. I like that. Yeah. Lawyer pants. <laughs> that's the least acceptable variation on what i was thinking <laughs> that's genius oh okay that's what we've settled on lawyerpants.com <laughs> okay next okay slogan very very much related to writing a business name i guess uh yeah this is one that i've because of it's interesting. Um, my recent client came up with a slogan after talking to some of her colleagues on her business, and she did this thing, which I often show clients to, and I showed her to, uh, where story. Uh, sorry, story brand. Um, the the book there. The guy, the author, Donald Miller, has these little five minute videos, and they're really useful to show someone about getting clarity for your website. And he ridicules this thing done by branding experts where it says you know there's a picture hero section showing mountains or something and it says your journey starts here and then it's got these three words under it artisan innovative solutions and he just says you know anyone landing on this has no idea what this is about and they're gone yeah you know and and i think that's the problem often my association with slogans um, i kind of dread it when i hear clients might come up with them because they love doing this kind of stuff do you <laughs> do you subscribe to the so we have this company in the uk called hammerite and yeah. hammerite make a sort of paint that you use on outdoors so you use it on like wrought iron fences and things mm-hmm. and their slogan is it does what it says on the tin yeah. which is like really, you know, it's, it's brutal. It's kind of like, just read the tin and then you'll know what it does. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's become this slogan of theirs, it does what it says on the tin, has yeah. become the, the phrase, certainly in the UK version of English, it's become the phrase of just do the obvious thing. You know, yeah. if you want it to work, do, do the obvious thing. So, you know, if you're selling shoes, say that you're selling shoes don't try to dress it up in flowery language if you're selling cars say that you're selling cars do the thing that it says on the tin and i respond so much better to those slogans than the ones which are trying to be as you said the one here artisan innovative solutions it doesn't tell me what it's there's not nothing about what's on the tin there i just know that you've got pretensions to be an artist to do new things and and to provide solutions but to what so I really like the does what it says on the tin. And before we click record, I mentioned we were talking about supermarkets who seem to yeah. drill down on this. And one of them in the UK is called Sainsbury's. And I think they've got the best slogan for a, for a supermarket. And it's where good food costs less. Because yeah. literally they are the two things that I care about when I go into a supermarket. There might be other ancillary things, you know, like the environmental impact of the packaging and all that. But primarily... I want it to be as affordable as possible, and I want to think that it's good. The, the quality of the food is good. So they've hit the nail on the head with it does what it says on the tin, and I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, the article, the Shopify one, actually gives you some ideas. You can state your claim, which I think is what we like. So Def Wish Coffee is the world's strongest coffee, so it's clear what you're getting. Or make a metaphor, Red Bull gives you wings, Um 
adopt your customer's attitude with Nike, just do it, yep. that kind of thing. And um, so th there are different ways, and I think some suit the the web better, don't they? Obviously, they kind of state your claim or describe it literally, which is also something we like, you know. So um, I also you know. think that they've got to be fairly pithy, that is to say, yeah. fairly short, you know. But you had a brilliant example of one that was long, but obviously over decades has stood the test of time. I don't know if they're still using it. You, you had a Rolls-Royce one. Have you still got that written yeah, down? Yeah, it's, it's a really famous one by David Ogilvie, who's kind of, you know, the real leader on copy for advertising. And I can't remember it exactly, but I think it is the only sound you will hear at 60 miles an hour in a Rolls-Royce is the sound of the clock ticking or something. It's something along those lines. And it's really held up as this wonderful piece of advertising with words, you know, because it puts you in the scene and tells you about the quality of the product. Um, but you you pointed out, how well would that work today? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that, that that's like a good strap line. So it'd be the kind of, it would work really well as the kind of tail end of a commercial. But nowadays, I feel that everybody would just condense that to <laughs> silent driving or something like that, you <laughs> yeah. know, just something short and pithy. And it's maybe solid. that's our attention span or you know, we're used to collapsing things into a mobile interface where you can get two or three words at most. But I don't, yeah. see, I don't see slogans of that length anymore. But boy, if that one, I, I love it. It's brilliant. But imagine yeah. trying to get that slogan, like if that was the Red Bull slogan, I'd one of equal length. They'd have to go round the, round the tin can a couple of times to get it on. Yeah. I there was a really another a famous one. Is it... Forget which uh, chocolate is. It might be uh, Skittles, something like that. Something that's sugar-coated chocolate. And it says melts in your mouth rather than in your hands. And again, it's another one which is short, but it, it kind of puts you in the scene yeah. straight away. Yeah. Um, it, it tells you what you're getting. They, so it's, they, they, there's a lot of art to this, isn't there? And I feel yeah. that I would never be sure that I'd arrived at the best one. I, I think <laughs> I'd always be thinking, oh, there's another one round the corner. We find it really hard to settle on this, but I guess for the lawyer, do they yeah. even need a slogan? Uh, we always win. We always yeah. win. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I honestly I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be perfect. Of course, it's unlikely to be true, but I, it feels like you're not really in the game of having slogans it's not that kind of a product is it it's sure and steady and it's not trying to sort of trick you into anything i, I don't know maybe lawyers do have sort of slogans but it's we, not i don't think this would be the top of mind for me building been, madame a's yeah. website it wouldn't be like okay we must get a slogan we are so much of our culture though with the uk where lawyers kind of have this gravitas and you know it would be ungentlemanly to kind of behave in a certain way that's right where, whereas i think in other parts of the world lawyers will promote themselves in entirely different ways so yeah a slogan might seem a little bit uh you know beneath them really might it you know that's a really good point depending on where you live in the world it might be a yeah. far more kind of cutthroat um yeah What's the word? There may be more in terms of advertising than we have here because the, the advertising around lawyers here is very sort of yeah. uh, decades old, isn't it? It hasn't really changed that much. Okay, so yeah. that's that's the slogan. We know we need one potentially, but mm. not going to be too important on the, in the case of a lawyer in the UK. Number five, yeah. choose the yeah. look of your brand, colors and fonts. Oh, boy. 
Well, you could talk about this for ages, but we better hold it because we're going to have an episode where we're talking about aesthetics and stuff like that. So we'll get into a bit more of that, I think, okay. later. But I mean, there may be just some things that we won't cover there, um, which is something I've come up against is, um, you know, picking the fonts. I, I, you know, I've done work for people who uh, they've done their online, sorry, their offline branding is really advanced. They've got designers who do that and they use really expensive fonts. And then they, you know, they're going to cost a bomb to use those fonts on the web. So these kind of issues come up that have come up for me before about <clears throat> picking the font that you can use online as well as offline. Yes. Um, and, and also there's another thing, which again, because I don't have a background in print, I overlook, um, that often I'm attracted to wonderful colors that look great on the screen and print terribly. <laughs> yes. Have you ever explored the uh, buying a monitor which replicates the colors of the fonts in print yeah well you know in the early days i thought this was really important i should learn this and I, I, we were doing some print i had this little cartridge shop where we actually did some printing at home so i did try and do it calibrate the monitor to simulate it um, but um yeah I, I forget to do that of course these days but also you never really quite got it you know, yeah, yeah. some really, it'd be very, I'm attracted to these very bright, vibrant colors, which you can get from the screen, which then get very dull when they go to print. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing on choosing our brands and fonts that we ought to talk about here, because we will cover a lot later. But that, that is something I've, I don't think I have a system for. I don't, I never had a system for this. It was basically what, what the client likes the look of. So it was a question of looking through a, a collection of fonts and, and keep, you know, trying to keep it on the cheap. It was yeah. mostly the concern. Well, and, that's the thing is that you and, pick a font and the client generally, most clients are going to go with it. They just don't, they may, you know, but it's really going to be subconscious. Know yeah. The difference between fonts, they're just not going to be able to articulate it in most cases. No, I, I, I've, I, I literally cannot think of a time where a client was very, very fussy about the font. The UI people out there and UX people are going to shoot us down for that, but it it never was anything which caused great concern for the, the stuff I was building. Yeah. It's interesting because I did a, this logo for um, somebody and I, I sent it off. It's not what I'm skilled on. We'll talk about this in a minute. But, uh, you know, they changed the font uh, at the printers there. And I still haven't worked out whether it's just that my choice of fonts were bad for this kind of thing. You know, yeah, so. that's kind of upsetting, though. So what you gave them it with the fonts included and they yeah, just yeah. decided we don't like yeah. that font. I We've never had this conversation yet because uh, my client said, that, oh, I think it's my fault because I should change in the name of the, the thing that she wanted and the positioning and that. And I think what she showed me was actually only their first take to show positioning. And they maybe didn't intend to change the font. But anyway, okay. uh, presently it's changed. So it's it, it's interesting. But, but certainly I've become aware of the fact that, you know, while we're doing the branding, we have to think of the offline and I'm not very good on that stuff myself. I had a curious thing where I had a client and the, for years and we actually, we actually use, I think it was Ubuntu. They, they went for that, which is kind of like a really, yeah. it's a very circular font. Um, and they really enjoyed that. And then when I stopped working with them, because they changed some personnel over, I did notice within like a couple of days, they'd stripped that Ubuntu font out and they'd replaced it with, uh, I can't remember oh. actually what it was, but the, the, the look and the feel of the website really changed dramatically 
And mm. it was curious to me that that conversation had never been had. But obviously, somewhere, somebody was thinking, I don't like that. I don't, mm. I don't want that on our website. And as soon as they got the new person, the, uh, the font had changed. Maybe it was the, the new web developer that had done it, or maybe it was somebody in the company. I don't really know. But it happened very quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fonts. So we'll come back to that on another episode. Colors and fonts think- and look at that in, in a lot more detail. Yeah, I think so. So we move on to what I was just talking about, actually. Yep. Uh, logo. <laughs> yep. Keep me away from logos, please. Yeah, I mean, essentially, this is... Uh, honestly, I, if you, you know, just walk through the aisle of a supermarket and there are logos absolutely everywhere. In fact, just look around you where you're sitting right now. There'll be probably 50 logos within mm. iShop. You know, yeah. there's probably logos for all of the... Uh, icons for the apps on your phone or on your computer and then logos for books and publishing houses and computers and who knows what and they all look like they're so easy to make (laughs) i mean (laughs) look at the apple logo it's so easy but honestly (laughs) it doesn't matter how hard i try i can never pull a logo off It, it always looks inferior my skill set is not logo creation. So this was, for me, it was always a case of giving it to a graphic designer if the logo was needed. More often than not, though, for me, the logo was already in place. You did the WP Builds logo, I did, did Yeah, but it's not particularly fabulous. No, but it stands (laughs) out, you see. Now you recognize it, so it's... Yeah, but maybe over time it's become like bludgeoned into you. (laughs) <laughs> but it's basically a hexagon with a spanner in it or a wrench, as they say in different parts mm. of the world. Um, mm. But you're right. Yeah, maybe. But it's not It's not terribly inspiring, I wouldn't say. But yeah. um, anyway, what about you? Are you? Do you feel this is an area of strength for you or...? No, terrible at that kind of stuff. Just I don't know. I, I had to do it on the recent one. I made the logo and I, I said from the bit, I mean, they asked, could I do that? And I said, it's not my strength. But as I wanted to, as it's a new build and a new business, I, I wanted to have the discussion about how you might come up with the kind of branding and our plan and stuff. So, so I said, you know, let's have a try <laughs> yep. and we'll do it. But yeah, we might need to get someone else to do that I, just so I, we can go through that process. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable statement, though. You know, yeah. I can go to websites online and I can steal ideas from other mm-hmm. um, logos that I've seen online or go to those different um, websites where you can actually just create logos. I can do all of that and I can change the colors and that sort of stuff. But if it wants to be unique and memorable and really different and done properly, yeah. my advice would be always get a pro in because it's just yeah. chalk and cheese. Of course, you can sort of go like that semi-pro pro route, which is, well, I say semi-pro, maybe they are <laughs> pros on the other end, but the, the sort of more affordable route of places like Fiverr to get this yeah. kind of stuff done as well. I think that, you know, in an ideal world, I would, um, well, actually it depends because we were saying with our lawyer, they probably don't need, a, it would probably just be a font that would say their names and it right. would be a right. Sarah font and that would be done and that's all that's needed for their branding. But if it was something like when we needed to create something like Starbucks of managed where it's clearly handcrafted um then you, i definitely want to send that over to somebody else to do that but if it was me because i i'm quite keen to have this agile approach keep you know c- 
constantly improving the site. I want to be part of that marketing strategy. So I'd want to give them a brief about some of the basic ideas we had for their branding to give it to somebody to come up with a logo. So that would be done for them to do it where I wouldn't want the client to say, go off to Fiverr, where they will basically show you a whole bunch of radically different designs and the clients then left to pick one without yeah. any context yeah. or reference yep. to the overall messaging so yeah so that's kind of but yeah again you know that's the problem if you don't send them off with a brief we have the same issue we talked about before with with the copywriters because the people who do these brand logos are branding people aren't they and they will go through the whole branding and marketing strategy exercises for them and it will yeah. cost a lot of money i guess i guess the other thing as well is you, there's a lot of work in it, not just in terms of creating something which is innovative and new, unique and requires yeah. actual design skills. You know, that is to say you can design something, but also you can use the technology like Photoshop or whatever and, and really change things on a whim. You know, if they, they want a certain mm. different augmentation to something, you can do that easily. I just don't have those skills in Photoshop or any piece of design software. But also, I guess mm. you've got to think about the different the different layouts that might be required. Like, do you want this to be mm. just on a piece of paper? Is it just going to be top left of a website? In which case, is it just going to be letterbox? Or are you intending to use this on social networks? Or where mm. is it going to go? And how might it look in different orientations and things like that? What, what kind of what kind of dimensions do you want? Well, you know, that is exactly, it was a lot of work. I mean, I hadn't done a logo for anyone for a long time. So I did this one and I, I cheated. I could take a vector that I found from somewhere else and just slightly change it with with some text. But then I realized I had to do all the things that we're aware of. And I'm not even sure if, if the people who might um, do design of logos are aware of this, all these different formats, the fact that it needs to work on black and white, you need to be able to print it out in black and white. Yep. It needs to stand out against a black and white background for you know maybe you've got a dark footer and you want the logo to work in there against the light top you know uh the different dimensions as you say all of these things it means that and sometimes you're going to need it so it's going to work in landscape and sometimes portrait so you're going to need to move things around so there's yep. a lot of work isn't there to put in together a, a kind of brand logo in all those different formats yeah i typically would have would have asked for a basically a landscape version a yep. square version, which then yeah. would kind of in, be, be inherited in the sort of portrait version. And then I would ask for a completely dark version. So usually yeah. that would be something like black and then a completely white version, both on a transparent background. So the black version of the landscape and the black version of the square, the, yeah. the white version of the landscape and the white version of the square. And then if there was an obvious color palette, I would probably ask for it to be in all of those separate two or three colors as well, just so yeah. that I had like six or seven that I could deploy anywhere. So there is a lot going on, yeah. Yeah, I think we'd be shipping this off wherever we can. The only reason I did the most recent one, and that's I can't remember the last time where I needed to create a logo, uh, and I did it really because I just thought, well, let's start because of the fact that I wanted all of the things that I feel someone who's doing a brand logo should be asking. <laughs> I wanted to know the answers to those questions. Mm, yeah. Myself. Okay. okay, that was number six. So we're on to final point, which is probably going to be really brief. Number seven, uh, yep. which was applying or apply your branding across your business. For a term which they like, which I, I'm going to use more often because it sounds nice. For co cohesive brand story. For a cohesive brand story. For a cohesive brand story. So are we talking about putting that branding on all of the different places? So the copper plate on your 
outside wall yeah. and the letterhead of your uh, paper and your business cards and all of that. Is that is that where all of this is finally getting sewn together? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think just when you're creating a brand, which is what we're trying to do, you just need to appreciate that uh, it's it's going to have to be in multiple locations. Probably the stuff that we started off at the beginning, isn't it? In in different situations, on and offline, and um, yeah, like I was saying, if you turn it into some brass plate. You know, for, for this particular build, this Madame A build, this is mm. so straightforward to do. You you just need to know what the things are that the logo needs to go on. But imagine if you're a you're a established business with hundreds, maybe thousands of employees. Imagine the headache that this presents. Right, everybody, you've got to bin all your business cards on the first of April when the new yeah. branding goes live. You've got to bin all the old leaflets. You've got to start yeah. using these new leaflets. All those letterheads need to go in the bin. You've got to change your email signature. There's another place. Change your email signatures. You've got to start using this one in all of the presentations that you've ever made. You've got to, every time you dig out a presentation to put somewhere, you've got to change the logo. It's gigantic, it could be. Such a headache. I know. I think you've got to get it right. I mean, I joined, I mean, 25 years ago when I joined the government office that I did, it, it just had a rebranding exercise. Um, and the, the, the new logo cost them a million pounds because of that process to get it kind of right what they needed to communicate. And, you know, but really, I would say for the next 10 years, I was still seeing the old logo on various documentation because there was so much of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, you know. Yeah. So some notable big rebrands that come to mind for me is when when Coca-Cola spent an absolute ton, and I have no idea what the amount is, but it was a gigantic amount of money because they yeah. felt that they wanted to rebrand the Coke yeah. whole brand. And they ended up spending all this money, and, and all that they did was add a bit more of a white line underneath the already existing grey line. That was what they got from that. And then another one which comes to mind is the recent Google rebrand where they took their old serif font because obviously the brand mm. is the word google and they replaced it with a sans serif font and although really it basically stayed the same mm. imagine the amount of places because i i noticed you know i occasionally get uh, letters through the post from google all of that did change overnight you know everything was suddenly done correctly just mm. huge amount of work do you know what there's a there's a missing section i feel in this whole thing about branding which you've just reminded me of with with things like uh, apple and google and they've effectively kept their logos but kept it the same yeah they, you know so uh, a lot of them they were reflecting the time so when a lot of them went out there the design was different and then it went to flat design and they all went flat and i think i think when you're doing your branding i think there is an element of uh, keep it simple, stupid about it. You you yeah. don't really want to add flourishes just because you need to. So with our lawyer, the name is probably fine in the font. It's going to communicate all they need to, you know, what they're going to have, wings of justice or something. You don't really need all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... It, and I think that's the thing because it makes it so much easier to change without affecting your branding so much. So it was pretty easy with both Apple and Google to just stick to their original shape and get rid of drop shadows or 
whatever gradients that they had on it you know there was all that glass thing wasn't there going yeah on that's Google. right yeah yeah um so so yeah i think that's a missing section i think when you're doing the branding i think thinking about the long term about how trends will change and how you keep it as simple as you can so it's whatever you've created is more adaptable to change is probably a good thing yeah yeah mm. okay well there we go so that was i think we've reached the end now haven't we we've, we have uh, we were on so you've just listened to series two episode four we've been talking about creating a brand what's uh what's episode five it's going to be about ux and i okay. have no idea where we're going because it's such a huge topic yeah. user experience that'll be the next user episode experience. that'll be out in a couple of weeks that was enjoyable thanks david yeah thanks a lot all right bye well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Always a pleasure to chat to my good friend David Wormsley. If there's anything that you agreed with, or possibly that you disagreed with, be sure to head over to the WPBuilds.com website, find episode number 275 and leave us a comment there. Alternatively, go to WPBuilds.com forward slash Facebook, which is our Facebook group of over 3,000 very polite WordPressers, and leave us a comment there. Again, search for number 275. Don't forget that we've got a This Week in WordPress show. It's a live show each and every week. I'm joined typically by three very, very nice WordPressers and we chat about the WordPress news from the previous week. That'll be live 2pm UK time at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. Alternatively, we'll see you here next Thursday for the next episode of the WP Builds podcast. All that remains for me to do now is fade in some cheesy music and say stay safe. Bye bye for now.